Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. AgriPod is brought to you by Proven Seed, performance you can count on in canola, soybeans, cereals, corn, and forages. On this episode, Ross McKenzie is a retired soil and crop research scientist with Alberta Agriculture. Ross shared a tweet where he explained soil sampling to check for a nutrient carryover would be important this year in order to prepare for the 2022 crop. On the last episode, Ross shared why it's important to sample at the right time, and he is back to give some guidelines for sampling and will also give a list of labs that can provide that analysis. The drought has meant many ranchers will not have enough feed and water to get them through the winter. Several provinces have set out a plan to provide assistance to producers to help cover those costs of the necessities. Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association Chair Arnold Blicky says the payment will help. What else has helped has been some rain that has made some improvements to pasture conditions. Arnold says those two little things have helped to improve the mood of cattle producers. After the break, Ross McKenzie. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Dr. Ross McKenzie is a retired research scientist with Alberta Agriculture. Uh, as I mentioned on the last episode, uh, we were talking about nutrient carryover because of lower yields. The plants simply did not take up as much this year because of the dry conditions. So uh, the only way to really know what's in the soil is by testing. Ross, let's start off by talking about testing itself and um, how, what is the process for that to get the best results? Maybe we can even just talk about soil sampling depth. Uh, we talked about timing uh, when we talked about depth and then where to send samples to. So I'll just, talk, I'll just talk a little bit about soil depth first, if that's okay. Sure, yeah. So one of the things that often comes up is, is what soil sampling and depth should you actually look at? And um, personally, I prefer to sample a zero to six inch depth then the 6 to 12 inch depth, and then the 12 to 24 inch depth. So you actually take three different depths, and then you're looking at the, the layering of the nutrients in the in the 0 to 6, then the 6 to 12, and the 12 to 24 inch depth. Now, a lot of dealers might just do 0 to 6 inch depth, and then from 6 to 24 inch depth, uh, and then on that depth, you would look at uh, particularly nitrate nitrogen, which is mobile, and sulfate sulfur, which is also mobile. Um, but I would always suggest at least doing two depths, for example, 0 to 6, and then uh, 6 to 24 inch depths. We're going all the way down to 24 inches. Uh, wheat, barley, canola will always easily move down to um, 36 to, uh, to 40 inches as long as moisture is, is, is good. So we want to really assess that top two feet in terms of the nutrient levels. But I always like to do this 0 to 6 inch depth separately. Uh, phosphorus and potassium are not very mobile. And so pretty much all of the soil test calibration work that has been done across the Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba have been always done with a 0 to 6 inch depth. So for phosphorus and potassium recommendations, you really want to focus on the 0 to 6 inch depth for, um, also for really for micronutrients. And then for, um, nitrogen and sulfur, uh, because they're more mobile, uh, I really like to look at going all the way down to 24 inches to see how much of the, how much in you have and where it is, and the same with sulfur, how much sulfur do you have, and what are the levels you have in a 0 to 6 inch step versus a 0 to 24 inch step. So have a look at your soil sampling depths and then talk, talk that over with your 
fertilizer meter when he's, or your private agronomist when he's uh, a soil sampling. And one of the things I always encourage farmers to do is that, uh, particularly on lands that are more rolling, you want to know how what kind of variability you have. And I always encourage farmers to go with a fellow when uh, um, when your soil sampler comes, uh, spend some time to actually ride along with them while they're soil sampling. So you yourself get to see what does that soil look like in the 0 to 6, 0 to 6 to 12, 12 to 20 point step, and how variable are the soil colors and, and the soil horizons as you're going across the field. It's actually a very good educational experience just to ride along with a soil sampler. Plus, the farmer knows his fields far better than a soil sampler, so he knows what areas might be uh, more variable and where the sample should or should not be taken, uh, considering uh, soil variation. Okay, so uh, now let's talk a little bit about about the labs themselves and um, where are your recommendations for sending this information in? Mm-hmm. Well, certainly I always encourage farmers to uh, talk to the fertilizer here to decide where their samples should be sent. In Alberta, we've got um, two labs. There's one in Lethbridge, uh, Down to Earth Labs, and there's another lab, uh, Element Labs. In Saskatchewan, there's ALS. It's the old... Uh, uh, University of Saskatchewan soil testing lab. Uh, they will do uh, analysis, but not uh, recommendation. And uh, the old uh, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Manitoba soil testing lab is uh, was taken over and was privatized, and it's actually now run by Farmers Edge. So there are four, those are four different soil testing labs. There's a couple of others. Um, uh, number of samples are are farmers. Sorry, the number of fertilizer they will send their samples depending on where they are down into. Uh, the U.S. or into Ontario, but if you do that, you want to make sure that the right analysis is going to be done. For example, in uh, B.C., Alberta, and Saskatchewan, the recommended method for doing uh, uh, phosphorus is the uh, modified Kelowna method. In uh, in Manitoba, it's the Olson method. It's also called the uh, sodium bicarbonate method. So different methods are used um, for phosphorus, but... um, I strongly encourage farmers in Alberta and Saskatchewan to make sure that this, where their samples are going to go, that they do the modified Kelowna method. Because basically, most of the soil test calibration work for the last 30 years in Alberta and Saskatchewan has been done with that method. Uh, and, then, and like I said, in Manitoba, uh, they use a different method, the, the bicarb method. But make sure that the lab is doing the rest of the methods uh, that are recommended for uh, your province. So you can go back and look at the research, look at soil test calibrations, and get... Uh, uh, good fertilizer recommendations. And this is an example. Uh, um, if uh, uh, the modified uh, Kelowna method is used, it works very well over a wide soil pH range. So that's one of the reasons why we like it. It works, it works very well across a wide soil pH uh, range. If you're just using the uh, the uh, bicarb method, then that's often, we used to be that, we used to be the recommended method for Saskatchewan prior to about 1990. If you're still using that that method, that that method works very well on high pH soils above a pH of a seven, but not so much uh, on lower pH soils. So if you have soil pHs of six point five or six five point five, that method doesn't work very well. So you're not going to get um, uh, the best recommendations for phosphorus. Another method that is used is the Bray method. Uh, it's commonly used in the states and in Ontario. It's a strong acid extractant. It works very well on acid soils, but we've never used it uh, in Alberta, Saskatchewan, or Manitoba because it does not work well in on our higher pH soils, so it's just not a method that we've ever calibrated for, but yet some labs use it 
to make recommendations in Saskatchewan and, and Alberta, which uh, uh, it's a very flawed approach, in my opinion. So always make sure you talk to your, your fertilizer dealer, your private agronomist, where your soil samples are going to go so you can get the best uh, analysis and, therefore, the best recommendations back. Ross, once that information is in hand, how do you go about interpreting the results and how then do you apply that to your farm? Well, for farmers, what I suggest is work with your fertilizer dealer, your private agronomist, review the recommendations. Um, and in Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, there's been a lot of soil fertility uh, research done to develop uh, uh, fertilizer calibrations. Um, to make good recommendations. So, for example, for farmers in Alberta, they can go to the Alberta Agriculture website and um, and actually look at like the, the fact sheets that we've written for phosphorus, potassium, and sulfur for their soil zone and for their soil analysis and for their crop that they plan to grow next year. There's calibration curves we've developed uh, to recommend the, the appropriate amount of uh, you know uh, phosphorus or potassium or sulfur. And then we have response curves for for nitrogen as well. And so farmers. In Saskatchewan and Manitoba, they can go to the Saskatchewan or Manitoba websites to look up that information. Uh, plus, farmers do have access to uh, unbiased people. For example, Ken uh, Panchuk is the uh, uh, provincial soil specialist in Saskatchewan, located in Regina. John uh, Hurd is the uh, provincial soil specialist for Manitoba agriculture, uh, located in Carmen, Manitoba, I believe. I guess they don't still in Carmen. And uh, those are excellent resources. So uh, when farmers are having uh, questions and in terms of interpretation, they can call an unbiased source to get some uh, additional assistance. Unfortunately, in Alberta, uh, you have nobody to call because all of our provincial staff were all laid off, so we don't have anybody to call anymore. But there's lots of old retired guys around like me, so uh, you can always give me a phone call if you uh, want to have a chat about yourself as a result. Oh, that's fantastic, Ross. Anything else? Uh, that's probably more than enough for one day. I think. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Ross, it was great chatting with you. Thank you for stepping out of retirement and, and taking a few minutes to chat. I'm, I'm always happy to chat, so don't worry. I've been speaking with retired research scientist Dr. Ross McKenzie, and you can find him on Twitter at Ross McKenzie Ag. After the break... Bernie McLean with the Saskatchewan Canola Development Commission talks about producer groups in that province that are expressing their concerns for farmers who may have difficulty filling their grain contracts and the high administration fees that they're facing. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Arnold Balicki from Shellbrook is the chair of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. And Arnold, I understand that the application forms are now available for the Canada-Saskatchewan Drought Response Initiative. The application forms will be uh, on the internet. They can apply through the Saskatchewan Crop Insurance uh, website. Also, you you can do it through your phone. Really simple. And um, compared to other jurisdictions, our application processes and requirements are, are so much simpler. Flowers is based on a per head payment basis as to our breeding herd inventory as of August 1st for the first payment. And again, it's based on year-end bred inventory, uh, allowing for a 15% being open replacement heifers for the second payment. So other jurisdictions are kind of receipt-based. Ours is not. And I think the money, the funds will be flowing to producers a lot faster than other jurisdictions that require the receipts and things of that nature. 
So was it up to each province to negotiate how they wanted that money delivered? That's our understanding. Each province did their own negotiations with the feds. We pushed hard for a per head payment uh, basis. So that gives the producers the latitude to do what's best for their particular operation, whether it's hauling water or fencing off uh, toxic flues or purchasing feed or moving cattle to feed. We really need to uh, commend Minister Merritt and his Ag Ministry staff for negotiating this uh, agreement with the feds. You know, based on consultation and advisement from Saskatchewan livestock industry, this is what, what we felt was best for, for our industry and they listened, and, and you know, we're really grateful for that. So the initial payment is going to be based on breeding inventory as of August 1st. Now, I'm sure there are plenty of producers who sold cows before that date. Uh, is there going to be something for them? Yeah, that's a really good question. We've had conversations with the ministry in that regard, and that same but grass or cattle, they're in the same boat. Some were forced to sell say, for instance, the 1st of July because they ran out of grass. So we're hoping we can have something to help them, whether that will happen or not. I, I, I can't answer that question, to be honest with you. Now, the second payment will come in December, but it sounds like there will be more detail in that payment and the calculating of inventory of cattle. That's what's going to happen. There will be a little more detail, but I think they'll have, you know, where they can coax us along as to how they want that particular question answered like for instance breeding inventory you know there'll be a a process for you to do that what i'm using in in our particular operation is our ag stability figures and and i mean you can't go wrong with that And, and there probably will be from what we heard from the start there'll be spot audits so hopefully that keeps everyone honest on their on their numbers Well, things have certainly changed a bit. July was hot and dry, a very difficult month, and that continued into August, and the pastures were burning up. But now there's been some rain over the province. It it was a long time since there was a general rain, and it really was amazing. Uh, I would imagine that certainly boosted uh, spirits a little bit on the farm. Oh, absolutely. The conversations I've had with producers and actually I've had uh, marketing yard managers phone me and, and tell me the same thing. Producers are not so down at the mouth as they were even a couple of weeks ago. I mean, the rain is, is I don't know, it's uplifting. Uh, I know it, it didn't create any real growth in, in our pastures, but I mean, they've greened up and just the fact they're turning green and we're getting all this moisture is making everybody feel better. From what I hear lately now, uh, it, it appears that a lot of the straw, the, the grain producers have loosened up on allowing producers to come in and bale up straw. So that, that's got producers feeling a lot better about that. And So I think there's greater understanding and cooperation between the grain and the, and the cattle guys. And uh, the grain guys are, are uh, maybe the better understand the program and, and really understand that Without the cattle industry, uh, things will, will really go bad for the economy of Saskatchewan. So they're more than willing now, it appears, in most places to want to let producers come in and, and bale the straw and, and move it. Yeah, I guess it would take some time for those conversations to happen. Uh, you hear about the program. You may be unsure about uh, eventually those discussions actually happening. Yeah, and you know the fact that that we the announcement was made on the hundred now on the hundred at year end gives the grain producers confidence that they are going to get paid 
and that the livestock people will have the money to pay them. Now, there have been a lot of large vehicles moving bales. Uh, You're in Shellbrook. Uh, Have you witnessed the same thing? From my front window here, when I'm having coffee in the morning, there's semis going with loads of uh, green feed, and a lot of that is crop that was damaged by the hail there in July. And, you know, we have guys with 11 quarters, 8 quarters, whatever, and they're they're wrapping it up and, and it's moving. And so our main concern and our hope is is that it's not going beyond the Canadian border into the United States, that it's stopping someplace in southern Saskatchewan for producers that need the product. There was some discussion earlier that we could see up to 40% of the breeding herd sold and maybe in some areas that could still happen. But are you hopeful that maybe things won't be quite as bad as we originally forecast? Well, exactly, and I, and you know we're we're thinking this uh, funding announcement will will help to uh, you know maybe alleviate some of that hemorrhaging of our of our mama cow herd. You know, I was one who was really thinking, and and really that's based on a lot of the conversations I had with producers and and marketing managers that there would be forty percent of our cow herd uh, going. I think that's toned down quite a little bit here in the last couple of weeks, and. Like I said, maybe it's the money, uh, the funding from the governments. Maybe it's the rain. It really appears that producers have a, a far better outlook than they did a couple, two or three weeks ago. Well, it was um, difficult for cattle people to find anything positive to focus on. And I'm sure you've been getting a lot of phone calls, but maybe now not the same level of desperation that perhaps you've heard. Oh, exactly. And actually, the calls have dwindled down to just a few and and uh, nothing like what it was prior to i mean uh, i think before the announcement of the funding i i probably have taken 150 or so calls and and that's pretty well like i said trickled right off to just a few a week maybe now and and mostly the calls now that are coming in is wondering if i know anything about the program and how they can access the funding and things of that nature not so much about you know i don't have the money and i uh, you know i'm trying to get feed and you know i need to do something about water so the conversation has shifted to how do i apply for that and and how soon do you think that'll happen arnold balicki is the chair of the saskatchewan cattlemen's association This is the Agriculture News Roundup for the week of August 30th, 2021. There were no big surprises in the latest Statistics Canada report. Canadian farmers will harvest less wheat, canola, soybeans, barley and oats, according to the recent yield models using satellite imagery. Lower production has been driven largely by ongoing drought conditions in Western Canada. A farm group is asking grain companies to show compassion to producers. Grain Growers of Canada Chair Andre Harp said many farmers may not be able to provide full delivery on contracts and any additional fees or penalties on top of that would make a down year even more punishing. He said the organization has met with the major grain companies to discuss the drought and ways in which the companies can support their customers. One of the proposals included immediate relief from administration fees and penalties on grain contracts. Harp also encouraged farmers to consider their own contractual rights with grain handling companies and to request transparency about the cost of grain replacement under their contracts, which can be higher than local bid prices.
Application forms for the Drought Response Initiative for Saskatchewan livestock producers are now available. The $297 million program is being funded through Agro-Recovery, a federal provincial business risk management program. It's designed to help producers purchase and transport feed in an effort to prevent a major herd sell-off. Saskatchewan's Agriculture Minister David Merritt hoped the initial $100 per head payment can be delivered to producers within a matter of weeks. Manitoba has become the first province to establish an organic checkoff. Producers of Manitoba organic cereals, oil seeds and pulses will remit 0.5% of gross sales on a quarterly basis to the Manitoba Organic Alliance. Proceeds will be used to support organic research, extension and market development initiatives. The new regulations came into effect August 12th. Prairie Wheat Research Groups are committing $3.5 million to the wheat breeding program. The Canadian Wheat Research Coalition, along with the Western Grains Research Foundation and Saskatchewan Winter Cereals, will provide the funds to the University of Manitoba for the continuation of the Fusarium Head Blight Nursery and Winter Wheat Breeding Program. The coalition is a collaboration between the Alberta, Saskatchewan and Manitoba crop groups with a focus on funding genetic and agronomic wheat research. BASF Community Challenge will be back for a second year. BASF will donate $65,000 to community organizations recognizing the critical role that farming communities play in the lives of growers. To celebrate the 25th anniversary of Invigor Hybrid Canola, BASF has introduced a $25,000 grand prize, which will be donated to one deserving organizations. Invigor growers have until October 15th to nominate an organization or initiative in their community. Both railways are keeping up with car orders from grain companies so far. The latest statistics put CP Rail at 99% and CN at 86%. Milt Poye is the manager of the Ag Transport Coalition, which monitors railway performance. He said the drought-reduced crop will mean less grain moving to port, but that doesn't necessarily mean there will be better service this fall and winter. Avena Foods said its gluten-free oat ingredients have been certified by the Detox Project as glyphosate residue-free. For a designation of this type, products must have no residue down to the government-recognized limits of detection for food and supplement samples. The company said there was lots of interest in the company's new line of pre-cooked flours at recent trade shows in North Carolina and California. Avena Foods is a major oat and pulse processor, building a $20 million processing facility just south of Regina. Saputo has purchased two food manufacturing facilities in North Carolina. The Montreal-based company said they make shelf-stable food products and beverages and refrigerated yogurt in spouted pouches. Both facilities employ about 230 workers. CEO and Chair Lino Saputo said the acquisitions complement the company's organic growth while strengthening its presence in the rapidly growing beverage, food and nutritional snack categories. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarland for more weekly episodes. AgriPod is brought to you by Proven Seed, 
performance you can count on in canola, soybeans, cereals, corn, and forages. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.